At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to Scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. Well, guys, isn't it great to have Jacob with us? It's fantastic. Huge answer to, to prayer, uh, and uh, I am so excited that he is with us. Now, I just want to uh, begin this morning by asking all of us a question. Here's the question. How many of you have a side job? Not your main job, but you have a little bit of a side gig. You have a side hustle. I want a sh- show of hands. How many do a little extra on the side? All right. As I was preparing today's sermon, I thought about a few of my friends who have this kind of additional stream of revenue. They have their career, they have their full-time job, and yet they also do a little something on the side. And frankly, the list got pretty impressive. I mean, there was tutoring, there was coaching, there was handyman work, there was buying things and selling things for a profit, there was photography, there was consulting... Perhaps the thing that, uh, that I'm most familiar with would be freelance writing. That's something that I've done for a long time on the side of my primary job as your pastor. But the truth is the side hustle, as it's called, has become kind of a, an American way of life in many ways. For some of us, it is a requirement. We need this extra source of income to get, to get through our monthly bills. For some of us, we have to have that extra source. It is a necessity. But for others, we do that thing on the side to pay for the extra things in life. Those things that when we'd say, hey, you know what? We have money to pay our bills and money to tithe and be faithful with the church, but we don't have enough money to have an RV or a boat, to have some expensive hobbies, to have that big vacation And so we have a side hustle. We don't have the things maybe that we desire by our base job. And so what we do is we invest a little of our time and our talents on the side hustle. Now, whatever the reason, there are many of us who have found creative ways to earn a little extra cash each month. Now, what we're going to be doing today is looking at a passage of Scripture that just might cause us, that might cause you and me to examine our heart posture toward the emphasis that we have not only on our primary careers, but also on the side hustle, the emphasis and the importance of work. Why do we invest so much of our lives working? We're going to turn to the scriptures in just a moment, but, but first, let's pray. Gracious God, you have invited us here today. You've invited us here to set aside the cares and the concerns of the world, to enter into a time where we focus our minds and our hearts, our attention, our affections upward and on you. That's why we're here. 
For some of us, we stumbled in here. It's been a brutal week. Perhaps we've been overwhelmed when we see the news and we're just discouraged by what's happening in our world. For others of us, we have walked in faith and you have shown yourself faithful to us and we have had a fantastic week. God, wherever you find us today, wherever our hearts might be today, would you meet with us through the power of your Spirit? God, we are going to open your word and we need to hear from you. So would you speak to us through your word? God, we ask for eyes to see the truth that's found on its pages. We ask for ears to hear this truth. And then humble, genuine hearts that might pursue this truth in the week ahead. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Smoke and Mirrors, that's the name of the sermon series that we continue on today. We've been working through the book of Ecclesiastes, and throughout our series, what we have been seeing and reading are the words of wisdom from one man who speaks directly to the ideologies of the time. Now, what's fascinating for you and for me is the same ideologies and the same issues that are at play in the time of Ecclesiastes are still wildly popular and gaining root today. They've not gone away. They've not dissipated. They're still real and active in our world today. But this really begs the question, well, how can that be true? I mean, that was thousands of years ago. You're saying we have the same problems today that we had way back then? Yes. Yes. You see, the preacher is detailing, the preacher is the writer, is what he acknowledges himself as. He is the writer of Ecclesiastes, and he is detailing the ideologies, and, he is saying, and, and he's telling us that there's a reason that they're true then as well as today, because they're hard issues. Because what we're examining today are idols that men turn to in the place of Almighty God. That's what we've been looking at, and that's what we're experiencing, and that's why what was true then is still true today, because we still run to many of the same idols, whether we're talking about naturalism or intellectualism or hedonism or individualism or secularism. They're all ideologies that have have been made idols in our hearts you say, well, what do you mean by an idol? When we place value and meaning on those things, that that becomes our pursuit. We're going after those things. That's where we will find hope and meaning and fulfillment in our lives. That's when they become idols. So let's turn our attention to God's word. Let's go to... Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you have a Bible and you're reading from the ESV, you're going to find it on page 554. If uh, you don't have your Bible and want to follow along, you'll be able to look behind on the screen uh, behind me. Again, Ecclesiastes 2, we're going to pick it up at verse 18. Here's what the preacher writes. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, 
And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over the toil of all my labors under the sun because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What is a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There's nothing better. There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, to the sinner he's given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is a vanity and a striving after wind. The church, the preacher has obviously changed his focus from where we've been in the last couple of weeks. He's changed his focus a bit. He's no longer concerned in speaking to us about the, the right pursuit of wisdom. Even though it was for self-seeking purposes, he has changed his focus. Instead, he wants all of us to read about the folly of toil and the meaninglessness of the wealth that comes from this work. He says it's meaningless. Now, how do we know this? He kind of leads us out there, doesn't he? Kind of begins there with verse 18. He says, I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun. Now, that is a man who loves his job right there. I hated it. All my toil. Or perhaps there's another way that we should look at that. Perhaps there is another way that we should consider what he's teaching because there might be something there that is more significant for us. Let's, let's read on. Seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or he will be a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and all for which I used my wisdom under the sun. This, he declares, is also vanity. Here's what he's saying. You work and you work and you work until you drop. And then whatever it is that you have, whatever it is that you've accumulated, it goes to someone else. That is vanity. You know, as I was reading this, I thought of the great theologian, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, a guy by the name of Don Henley. He sang these words. He says, you don't see no hearses with luggage racks. And it's true. And yet, in spite of the fact that every single person in this room will one day pass away, and in spite of the fact that every single person here today will take nothing with us, we toil and we strive 
and we work. And we do so because we never feel like we have enough. We never feel like we have enough. Whatever it is, you and I want more, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest here. Our appetites are insatiable. We want more. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. I've talked to you before about the fact that I love books. You know what I like? I like one more book. doesn't matter if we're talking about fishing gear. Guys who head out, on the, they, they want more. What I have is great, but I want just a little bit more. Or let's kick it up a notch and go into the kind of the higher priced areas. Recreational vehicles. Man, I've got one, but I'd like a new one. I'd like a better one. I'd like a faster one. How about cars? How many of you went to the Dream Cruise? <laughs> Is it safe? I don't know. <laughs> You'd like one of those, wouldn't you? No matter what it is, we all want just a little bit more than what we have. Every single person in this room has the ability to kind of say, yeah, yeah, I've had times like that. We all know that this is true. And what is so fascinating about this desire for more is who that, that impacts the most. And honestly, in doing research, this might surprise you. It surprised me a bit. The people who struggle and want the most and want more are the wealthy. Those who already have much. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? But it isn't. In an article in the Wall Street Journal, an economist by the name of Robert Frank, he writes this. He says, for many of today's rich, there is no such thing as leisure in the classic sense. Work has become their play. Building wealth, that is the creative process and the closest thing they have to fun. Work is play. Toiling to build wealth is fun. When did that happen? I mean, seriously, when did we get to that point where work is our play? Truth is, it's been happening for a very long time. It's been happening for a long time because it is an idol of our hearts. We believe that we will find meaning in more stuff. We will have fulfillment in our hearts if we just have a little bit more. This is why Jesus answered a man's request for financial arbitration in the Gospel of Luke. He responds with a parable. Here's what he says. And I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax and eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? so is the one who lays up treasure for himself 
and is not rich towards God. If we could just have more. If I could just have a little bit more, I'd build a bigger building and a bigger barn. And then I'd have all my stuff in there. And then that would give me comfort. That would give me peace. I would find fulfillment if I just had a barn that held all of my stuff. Really? Is that how life works? As I shared last week, my family and I were able to get away for uh, a few days to my hometown of Ludington. Now, if you've not been there, Ludington is, uh, is over here, and uh, it's on the Lake Michigan side of our state, and it is right on Lake Michigan. And we, the place where we stay is about a, know, a block and a half from kind of the public beach in Ludington. We like to go on the beach, we like to read, I told you all that last week. What I didn't tell you last week is that when we walked the path to the beach, what we have to do is we have to walk past a few multi-million dollar homes that overlook the beautiful, ever-changing picture of Lake Michigan. And I would be dishonest if I told you that I did not think how amazing it would be, how much better my life would be if I lived there. I did that. In spite of the fact that God has blessed us with a very nice home right here in Highland in a beautiful area of our state, the thought of having something bigger, something a little bit better, something overlooking the lake did in fact creep into my heart. Church, that's called materialism. And that is an idol that can easily creep into every single one of our hearts. And when it does, our hearts are wooed away. And we're, they're wooed into believing that more stuff will bring us happiness, it will bring us fulfillment, it will make everything better. But that, that's not what happens. And yet we struggle with it, don't we? We struggle with those temptations because we live in a world that bombards us with advertisements that say you need more. You've got to have more. That thing you have isn't good enough. You need something better. And whatever it is that we're selling you, it is going to complete you. It is going to fulfill you. It is going to give you long-lasting peace for about five minutes. I was blown away by this. Maybe some of you knew this already. I, I was... Uh, I was not aware of this. Recent studies suggest that the American, the average American is inundated with, wait for it, 6,000 advertisements every single day. Some of us who maybe work online or kind of have that type of job might face as many as 10,000 ads a day. Church, there is no other way to view this. That is an attack on our hearts and our minds. We are constantly under the attack to have more and to find fulfillment in more, more stuff. Work harder so you can have this. And this is why it is absolutely critical for you and I to see and to understand 
what the writer of Ecclesiastes says as we continue. Let's pick it up at verse 24. He says, there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? You see, the preacher, he helps us understand something that is called the common grace of God. This is the grace that God shows to all people, not just those who have a saving faith in his Son. This is the common grace, the common goodness. And he says, for those people, there is nothing better than eating and drinking and having some enjoyment for your work. He says that because he knows that's all you get. That's all there is. Apart from God, apart from Him, that's the best you're going to get is good food, fine beverage, and enjoyment for your work. That's the best the world has to offer apart from a holy God. That's it. And we may enjoy some of these things, but they will never fulfill our deepest longings because we always crave more. But for those who seek and find God, they come to know God as more than the giver of just common grace. It goes beyond that. Let's look at verse 26. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to the give to the one who pleases God. This is also a vanity and a striving after the wind. You get that theme throughout Ecclesiastes. But what we need to take from that is that God is a gracious giver. To the one who pleases him, the preacher says that God gives wisdom. That's the discernment and living for things that are true and good and holy. That's wisdom. And then he says, we get knowledge. That's this deep understanding of God's truth and the world that He created for us. And then we get joy. This is the contentment that we have that comes in communion with a holy God through faith in His Son, Jesus. We get joy. But for the sinner, the one who rejects or ignores God and his goodness, there is nothing more than good food, good beverage, and enjoyment from your work. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. Before we move on and simply acknowledge that God is the giver of good things to those who please him, we have to deal with that million-dollar question, don't we? Who is it that pleases him? I mean, that's kind of this little caveat in the middle of the text. Who is it that pleases God? Well, of course, those who work hard, those who earn a good living. That's what some of us might believe if we drive around our area, drive around southeast Michigan. That's what we might think, but Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 tells us something different. It says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. But I've got bad news. None of us can do that. 
There's not a person in here today, including myself, who can do that because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We know that from Romans. We all fail. This is why our works, this is why our efforts, this is why our striving will never be enough. The wages we earn are death. It is only by the free gift of God's grace through faith in His Son, Jesus, that you and I can please a holy God. Only in Christ. And this is what God provides for all who believe. That is ultimate enjoyment of Him. Of Him. Now, I'm guessing that some of you are probably thinking, okay, wait a second, Pastor, you started on materialism and now we're here. I'm, I'm not sure I'm making the connection. What does this have to do with materialism and your work? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it has everything to do with it. Let's reflect on the preacher's rhetorical question in verse 25. He says, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? This is such an important question for everyone here today to consider. Such an important question because everything that you enjoy from your work ultimately comes from the gracious hand of Almighty God. All of it. And this helps us see that God gives graciously to His people. God gives graciously to His people. Consider for a moment your mind. For some of you, that is how you make your living. That is how you earn your keep. That is how you have enough resourcing to buy the house, to buy the boat, to have the side hustle, and to do those things. He's given you that kind of mind. For others of us, it's the skills you have to build, to create. That's how you sustain your livelihood. And still others, it is the heart that God has blessed you with to serve others faithfully and sacrificially. It's the mind, it's the skills, it's the heart, and those only come because of the graciousness of God to you. And this is why our insatiable desire for more stuff is actually an affront to our God. It's an affront to him. Because what we're essentially telling him is, hey, thanks for all that stuff. It's really great. But I'm going to go ahead and work a little more or do a little more so I can have a little more. Because that's not quite enough. Now, I know there's none of us who would actually say that. There's not a person in here who would say what I just said and say, yeah, that's me. But many of us live lives that practice that, don't we? If we're going to be honest this morning, many of us practice that in our lives. So I want to close by inviting you to a much greater pursuit. You guys ready? Are you guys ready? It's a pursuit that offers more fulfillment than the largest bonus check you've ever put your hands on. Hear the words of the Lord Jesus. But seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, when we pursue God and his righteousness above our material and financial quests, he provides everything that we need. So church, God is inviting you. He's inviting me to experience true meaning and fulfillment and is not found in the idols of our day, in the idols of work, and in the idols of more stuff. It is only found in Him. In Him. May Jesus, the Christ, be our primary pursuit. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today. 